0: All right, all right, all right. Welcome to Tuned Into Tennis with Miles David. I am your host, Miles David, and today I have a really, really exciting episode. I'm kind of venturing into what I have always wanted to do with my podcast and with my platform, which is talk to people who have really been knee-deep in the world of tennis, being out on tour, playing professionally, and kind of in the world that I look at on television and social media so much. So, I just want to introduce a very special guest joining me on the show today. I have a very special guest calling in all the way from H-Town, Houston, Texas. She fiercely competed on the WTA circuit for over 15 years, achieving a singles career high ranking of 50 in the world and went toe-to-toe with some of the most marquee names in the sport, such as Denara Safina, Yelena Yankovic, and Kim Kleisters, just to name a few. You may remember her for her natural all-court game style or from her beaming smile that still lights up any selfie she takes. Check her out on Instagram after you watch this episode or listen to this episode rather uh please welcome the beautiful the marvelous Mashona washington how how are you uh,
1: that's a wonderful introduction thank you for that and i'm i'm fantastic it's a little chilly outside but you know i'm waiting for the summer to hit so
0: <laughs> you're a summer baby right
1: oh yeah may 31st summer the- baby love the heat competed in the heat when it was cold uh, oh, i just did not like indoor tennis i could do Outdoor okay cold... no it's not
0: We'll get into some of your indoor tennis resume because I think there are some astounding results that people should, you know, take note of. At least I did when I was doing the the background research. Even though I didn't have to do that much, because I mean, let's <laughs> face it. I mean, let's 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 be completely honest. As a black person who is a fan of tennis, I feel like you know every person of color that comes yeah. through the sport, especially every person of color who is like fortunate enough or like just good enough and talented enough to break the top 100 like you were.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: When I, when I say that, what comes to mind when I say Mishona Washington, the career high of 50
1: well, I want to put that doubles in there, too. I was 50, 55 and doubles. I, I want to know, everybody know that I played singles and I played doubles. So it wasn't, um, you know, I wanted to be out there on the court as much as I could. And um, I enjoyed, you know, various doubles partners that I played with. But when I hear that, um, it was it a... Was, uh, you know, we always kind of hung together. I think a lot of us when we were at the same tournaments, a lot of the black people when we were at the same tournaments, um, you know, we always cheered each other on and, um, you know, kind of, looked after each other in a sense, I guess. And um, I think as we got a little bit older, I think we kind of bonded and formed friendships over that. But um, but it was like, it was kind of a dog-eat-dog when I played. It wasn't like like it is today, but I know we're going to get into that a little bit later, but yeah, I'll give you my opinions on that. So.
0: <laughs> I was just thinking about that. As I was scrolling on my phone before we hopped on here and recorded, I think the WTA, well, I know the WTA is celebrating its 50th year anniversary, and I believe somewhere in a the tagline they posted on Instagram is like competitors, friends, something else. And I was like... It's sports, man. You can't always be friends with the person across the net from you, at least at least, not acting like it in that moment, you know?
1: Yeah, I, I exactly agree with that, because, you know, I mean, if you even still break it down, you know, you look at players that, I guess, after their careers, you know, they become a little bit more friendly uh, because you're still trying to win, and and I, I don't know, I guess I'd have to use, I don't know that I think that Rafa and Roger are necessarily going to dinner together, but yeah, but you can see they have that friendship, but um, everybody still has their own team. It, you're still trying to win, And, um, I think, you know, with social media, you know, kind of linking a lot of the players together, you form a different bond that we didn't have that, you know, growing up. Mm -hmm. I remember remember my last few years on tour, it was Skype and it was like, oh my God, we're Skyping everybody or (laughs) the Blackberry messenger, whatever that BBM that I had. And that was kind of our link. And then now it's just like everybody's linked together, you know, because they're following each other's stories on whatever, you know social media platform so i think it kind of links them a little bit more together
0: we're all linked in together i mean even me connecting with you i was i was put into contact with somebody who listens to the show dedrick if you're listening shout out to you you guys go to the same gym right
1: right i was trying to be incognito in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> not that anybody would really ever recognize me that i've traveled and played and all that stuff like that but he i guess when i had checked in he saw me and i said was, he's was like aren't you and i was like yeah, I, I, was blown. I was just like, but it was all good. You know, he's he was super cool. Every time I come in and, you know, we're talking about, you know, the latest of uh, who's ever winning what it's particularly when the slams are playing and uh, just giving back and forth, um, you know, kind of conversations about that. So it makes it fun. It kind of puts me back in there because sometimes, you know, I kind of get with the lost in the things that I'm doing now that sometimes I know I'm not always locked on TV like I used to be locked on the tennis anyway.
0: So that's a good thing. We'll definitely come back around to what you're doing now because I'm I'm interested for sure. And I know the listeners are as well. But before we do, we're obviously a day after wrapping up the Australian Open 2023 version. Mm-hmm. Any any like thoughts that come to your head about what you watched or what you thought happened?
1: Men and women. Or,
0: either or, either or.
1: Or so. Um, I'm going to start out with doubles, just because I want to throw that in there. Oh so sure, maybe, sure. Why was it an Australian Open wild cards? Because I'm all I, I love that. I love seeing the wild card that no names. I, no, no, excuse me. Take that back. I don't <laughs> like word use the word no names because I felt like oftentimes because I wasn't. Serena or Venus or, you know, one of the higher names. No, no one knew me or no one knew it. And I'm like, hey, I'm not chopped liver, you know. So right. I say no name. So I take that back. Um, but the lesser known players, um, they came in there and they won the doubles. Um, actually, I, I don't even know who won the women's doubles. I, I it was
0: it was um, Barbara Krejčíková and her partner, Katerina Senyakova. They've been winning everything. Super everything pretty much.
1: Team. Um, super solid. Um, I love to see that. And I love to see that. Doubles is kind of taking picking up a lot of speed, whereas before it was like, oh, you're a doubles player? Like, that was kind of when I was playing. It was like, oh, you just played doubles? They didn't get respect. And now, you know, players are starting to play both singles and doubles. I wish I had played a little bit more mixed doubles when I played um but i was being a little diva like i was like oh I, play singles, and <laughs> I played doubles and you know i'm just like yeah looking back i was like what was i thinking why didn't you play mix it would have been so fun because i played <laughs> tennis and it was a lot a lot of fun but um uh, i love to see you know arena sabalenka i mean she's gone through ups and downs with her game you know one game she's going to serve 17 double falls and then she's <laughs> like, Aces. she's like i don't know so, but to say all that, I mean, you have to know that you have ebbs and flows to your game. So if you can just keep just knowing what the light at the end of the tunnel is and just keep plugging away. I mean, I love to see a new champion as well all the time. Um, and that's, I think that says a lot for women's tennis as well. Like, you know, anybody who, cause it's, it's like, to me, it's so different from when I played, it was like, oh, Steffi was winning everything or Venus was winning or Serena. And then now it's like, like literally if I played now, I'd be like, man, any given Sunday, anything can happen. It is given Sunday, right? And of course, you know, Joker was gonna do uh Novak Djokovic was gonna do his thing. I mean, it was I, I said it was gonna be Joker in three or Sitsipas in five. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sitsipas really had to come with this game and you know, when you look at a champion like Novak Djokovic, I mean he's just gonna be so hard to beat in the finals of a tournament that he's been to, that he's won nine other times. That's, mm-hmm. That's just, you had to come with your A game plus, like A plus, <laughs> plus, <laughs> plus. hope that he may have like, you know, had a nail something going on or something or some kind of injury. Right. Um, but, I mean, and it's, it's amazing. I mean, I remember back when Pete Sampras, I think when he played, or even Steffi, and they were like, oh my gosh, like, um, when Pete had like 14 slams and they were mm-hmm. thinking, oh my God, who's going to ever beat that record? Now you have three people that have beat <laughs> trounced that you know, whole entire record and it's just like, well, and going. So, I mean, I completely think that Novak's probably got, what, another four, six maybe slams in him? I
0: think so. I think a lot of things will shift after we get past the Paris Olympics in 2024.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I think... As long as he stays, you know, injury free, yeah. He seems to, and that's another thing that I love about players now. They're so in tune with their bodies, and I mean, he's just got his body's just a well-oiled machine. Like the players, both men and women. I look at Sakari. Oh my gosh, that girl's like a machine.
0: She's like fitness goals, isn't she?
1: <laughs> she has <like laughs> fitness goals. That girl. I look at her. I've seen her on Instagram, and I'm looking at her, and I'm like, my knees just hurt looking at that. I'm like, ooh, she's got <laughs> she's like knees. Like, I mean, I'd like to take. Like a half a page out of her book right now, but she. I'll
0: take one ab, just one of those <laughs> abs.
1: <laughs> right there, do that absolutely. But I mean, I mean, they're just champions all over, and you know, um, I always tell younger players if there's, you know, if you have the chance to sit with the older players or, or the more experienced players or the players that are winning a lot, if you can just grab a couple of nuggets here or there while you're talking to them and try to apply it to your game and and heck, life. I mean, you're winning already.
0: Yeah, for sure, and that's that's really good advice. So you mentioned nuggets. So I want to get a little bit more nugget information about your background. And this is usually just let me just back up a little bit. So I'm in, introducing a, a format to my listeners um, about the interviews that I'm doing with these wonderful Moshona Washington. And the first segment will be a warm up. We're going to kind of walk through this as if we were in a tennis practice. We're going to have a warm up, some target practice um, inside out and in a cool down. And I'll walk, I'll walk us through what all of that means. But first and foremost, let's do a up, where it's just some casual questions to break the ice a little bit and let the listeners engage uh, more with who you are. So first question, where is your hometown for those that don't know?
1: Hometown now or hometown where I was raised, born and raised.
0: Where you were born and raised?
1: Born and raised, Swartz Creek, Michigan. Um, that's just outside of Flint, (laughs) Flint, Michigan. And my parents were products of General Motors, Right, so um, that's why my um, dad, when they moved there in '72 from New York, when my dad was my dad was out there working, and um, came in in '72. I was born in '76, so uh, moved the family out there. Started everybody. He played tennis. Actually, let me back up the story. So I have to give you the backstory. <laughs> okay. it is a little. It is kind of an interesting story. So my mom and dad, who were married for fifty six or seven eight years somewhere around in there up on before my mom had passed and then my dad passed away but um, they had met in college Jackson State
0: um, oh ooh, ooh. in they, Mississippi right in Jackson yeah, they, okay cool yeah
1: you see yeah they met there uh, met and married um, and my mom is a super fan like you guys, she's like a super fan of sports, super fan, loves tennis, basketball, everything. So I got married and then my dad ended up getting a job in New York. So he's working at a university where they had all these brand new courts, right? Mm-hmm. So brand new courts. the lady's like, Hey, you should pick up tennis. My dad being the dad that he is, he'll pick up anything and learn and fix it or, or look at it and figure it out and, and learn how to do it. Like he can literally, he literally tells the story how he picked up a guitar and taught himself how to play guitar. I didn't, he did not pass that gene to me. Um, my older brother Mal kind of has that gene where you can look at something and figure it out. I'm like, I got to read it, turn it around, and I'm like, okay. Oh, so fast forward to 1972 when he when he got the job with General Motors. Then he still wanted to play tennis, so he played tennis. Uh, picked up the game just by reading and looking at tapes and lo- the videos at the time that he could mm-hmm. get his hands on. Um, being in Michigan, a lot of times people actually didn't want to hit with him because of you know, color reasons, you know? Mm -hmm. So he's like, you know what? Forget it. I'm going to teach my kids how to play. There you go. Then he, then he's like, well, can't tell me I can't play with my kids. So he taught my older sister down to my brother, Mal to my other sister, my brother. So there's actually five of us, but Mm -hmm. uh, four of us competed professionally. So, um, then after that, You know, I started tennis in the early 80s. And I remember I didn't want to play tennis. I really really? did not want to play tennis. And my dad wanted me to play tennis. I did not want to play tennis. I would find a way to not go to practice. I'd lose my shoes. I couldn't find my right. My older brother and sister, they were traveling to tournaments. And I thought that that was the coolest thing. Like they would go to Indiana, like the local tournaments around in the different states, Indiana, Illinois. And I thought that that was cool because they were always traveling and they would come home with these trophies. And I thought that was amazing. And I goes, I goes well, dad, I want to go. And he's like, well, the only way you can go is if you play tennis. Gotcha. All right, I'm in. If I can get a trophy, I get to travel, shoot, I can play tennis. And so that was kind of like the beginning of my story of how I felt like I got roped into playing tennis when I was was probably eight or nine years old, eight, seven, maybe a little bit younger. But I had been on the courts with my younger brothers or my older brothers and sisters. Like when when they went to practice, my dad brought us all to practice. You know, we were all out there, you know, being – four and five years old, you know, I would, you know, be out playing around and whatever off the court and my dad would be with my older brothers and sisters. So, but, um, as I got older, then I started playing and then of course when you start winning and then you're in the local paper and then, yeah, all right. you know, they put the big old thing on the bulletin board at church and, you know, you're going to Church and it's amazing and it's like oh my god the Washington, and that makes you feel good and i'm like and then you keep winning trophies and trophies and then you keep getting better and better and ranked and then it just keep going step after step after step mm-hmm. and for me and for us you know i i have this conversation a lot people have a lot of people are interested in other sports and we didn't have other sports my dad was like it's tennis and that's what you're doing
0: <laughs> that's it
1: <laughs> okay <laughs> we're playing tennis i had other interests in sports like in school but tennis was what it was after school, we, we were practicing. Summertime, we were practicing. That's what it was, um, and I didn't have any problems with that. I, you know, I, I I enjoyed playing tennis. And as I got older, when we started introducing, you know, uh, weightlifting and training, and you start seeing the better the shape you're in, the better you're playing on the court, the more matches you're winning, and the more the better choices you're making on the court. So, and then it just becomes like, oh wow. And I remember I was talking to a friend of mine, and I was like, because you know, at this point, I had gone to Paris. Probably six times, seven, eight, nine times oh, wow. early on in my career, Paris and playing the French Open. And I was just like, oh yeah, I'm going to Paris this year. And I'm just like, she's like, you know, Shana, that's not normal. Right. And I'm like, what do you mean? Everybody goes to Paris, right? She's like, no. That's not normal. you and Because for me, that's the only life I knew was tennis, mm-hmm. tennis players. That's all we know is, you know, training, practice, training, matches, training, playing, tournament and all that. And it just becomes like, oh, yeah, I went to Paris. And it's not Paris. It's just like, oh, I'm just going to play a tournament.
0: It, it's kind of work. Yeah. It becomes like a, a work thing.
1: Yeah. And then it wasn't until years later when I stayed in a private housing and out in Orange County, California, that um, he was he was. They were from Toronto, but they moved to California. And he he said, "So you go like you go to Paris and England?" I was like, "Yeah." Well, what do you do? I'm like, oh, <laughs> hotel. I do my warm up, hotel matches, dinner, and I. He's like, so you don't go and see anything? It's like no. I mean, who has time for that? You know, it's it's work. But after that, I made a considered effort, considerable effort, to do something in every town. In every place whether it was a restaurant whether it's sightseeing and boy then after that like that opened up a whole can of worms and so i've got all these pictures of all these things that i've done while i was at a tournament and i realized you oh, know i realized that you can still play you can have your match that day or on a day off it doesn't mean that you have to go grind it out on the court you know just get your break away from the match and then just go do something and you can still come back and play an amazing match you know, give your body a mental break or physical break and then still. I'm
0: glad you mentioned that because we're going to get into that a little later on. But I definitely want to know, like, your memories and some of your best experience and some of the wonderful cities I'm sure you've traveled to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you've answered one of my second questions, your earliest tennis memories, unless you have a different one that kind of comes to mind when I say earliest tennis memory. First
1: memory As in like winning or
0: Picking up a racket, and you know where you were when it happened.
1: That was that was. I re- some of my earliest ones. Rem- I remember being at Bicentennial Park in in Michigan, and back then it was like a huge park that I grew up on. They had an old pond out there, and now it's like a huge pavilion. And and now it's completely. I'm like, this is not how it was 30 years ago. <laughs> like, wow, it's an amazing place now. It was kind of. We had softball fields out there, and it was eight tennis courts, and you know they had trails. Um, that would go behind all the way around. You know those like old school, like like grab bars where you did the pull ups on one. And the, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. of how the trail was right. <laughs> so, and we'd be out there in the morning time, in the summertime, and in the wintertime uh, twice, or not sorry, in the wintertime, summer morning and afternoon. We we practice outside. We had like different uh, park courts that we hit on. I hit with my brothers and sisters, and then in the wintertime we'd go indoors, or when it rained we went indoors. Mm-hmm. Um, earliest memories where I remember my dad hitting with my older brothers and sisters and then he would call us in and he'd be like, all right, it's your turn. And he would like, you know, toss us some balls and then I would learn how to hit. And, and I remember my sister, my sister, I didn't know how to score. I didn't know if score my
0: school. Tennis scoring can be difficult. She
1: <laughs> was the one who taught me how to how to keep scoring tennis. And to this day, like, there's a couple things that she reminds me of that I always laugh when I'm like, okay, 30 15 is on this side. And I remember, I remember, <laughs> but I just remembered her teaching me how to score. And and that was just kind of fun, um, kind of being there with her. And, you know, she just really, and she was, and later on became one of my bigger cheerlead, biggest cheerleaders, along with my mom and my other family, but my dad. But it was, it was. Because
0: you need a support system, you know, especially with. A, a grinding lifestyle like that a support system is necessary
1: it really is and i and i thank god that uh, i had parents that were um super supportive and uh they were my sponsors for many years <laughs> <laughs> for many years in there and I, and honestly as you know tennis is super expensive and mm-hmm. unless you Those sponsors or a sponsor that's gonna you know fund you going to every single tournament it's a grind and like I was fortunate that I never had to worry about that because had dad had dad's old credit card you know (laughs) or mom I had both of them you know and you know whenever uh, my is this true story my mom um, so a lot of times you know how sometimes when you just need money or whatever and you know you don't really want to ask your mom because you're always asking your parents for money. And I would just like, I'd be going back and forth, back and forth. Now, there was a thing that like, I always called my parents whenever I left the country, whenever I left and got somewhere, it was like, you call them, you let them know where you are and, you know, it's accountability thing. And, but when I was like going back and forth, when I needed something, it was, it was like clockwork. Like my mom's antennas went up (laughs) she's like, all right, do I need to send a package and that's AKA for money. And I'm like, oh, yes, mom. <laughs> and she's like, okay, well, it's in the mail. That's when we used mail. We didn't have Cash App and Zelle. In, and
0: and Venmo and all that, yeah. And and all
1: that. It was like either, what is that money? Or like she. Western,
0: Western Union? Is Union? Is that it? That, she
1: Western <laughs> Union me money a couple times when I was out of the country. And um, also, it was just always like a, a package. That's what she called it. <laughs> To have that amazing support and, you know, and I remember one of my memories of a pro when before I broke, broke the top 100, I um, I can remember I got into the third, I qualified and got to the third round of Wimbledon. Going into Wimbledon, I was 116 in the world. And I was thinking, for sure, third round of Wimbledon, qualified, I, I you know, I did the points and I'm like, I should be in the top 100. I
2: mm-hmm.
1: should be. 99 or 98 is what I should be right so and then after this Wimbledon was over um I checked and the rankings came out that Monday and I looked at the rankings and you know what my ranking was
0: what was the ranking
1: yeah I need you to guess what my ranking was played and I got to the third round so I'd accumulated all these points so I was like shoot I should have broken the top 100 by now I mean like this is like amazing like this is like first time because you know top 100 is like goal, yeah. Goal. It's the goal. you got to be top 100. So what what do you think it was? It was a crush.
0: 101.
1: It was 101! (laughs) It was 101. I busted out in tears. I called my mom and I was like, I'm never going to be in the top 100 Mom was like, you're gonna do it, and da 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 in the very next tournament, which was Stanford, um, I had qual there, I was a lucky loser, and I got to the quarters and then I moved to like eighty and then I had went on and had a pretty decent summer and then but yeah, so the support is you know, and it's amazing. Like and it's it's good to have solid coaches that support you. Mm-hmm. Like, as well friends as well you need that team because it gets lonely out there and
0: it's, it's not- an individual sport you know like you it, it's you out there there's nobody you can like tap on the shoulder to, to switch in and yeah. that can be taxing that can be taxing i can imagine
1: and you know and you got to think about it um a lot of people what they don't understand um which i don't agree with they keep saying shorten the season but i have a whole nother I have thought okay. on that, on shortening the season, but um, you know, you you have like six weeks on the road. I remember one time I left the U.S. May second, and I came back June 20, 29th. So I was gone like that entire time. It was like two months on the road. And like, you know, you could go, you have eight tournaments lined up or six tournaments lined up. And one of them, you could literally lose first round. And then now you're like, you're the hitting partner for everybody. You're like, <laughs> you me Sure, sure. I'm <laughs> out in singles and in doubles. So, and you have like five days before you have to go to the next tournament. And you're just like, mm. yeah. <laughs> that person who was warming everybody up, but it's happened to pretty—I'm sure everybody. So,
0: is there uh just switching gears a little bit? Is there a current song that you can't get out of your head?
1: Um, about to take another flight. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know, I really couldn't tell you actually made that song. I just know it's all over Instagram and TikTok. Yeah,
1: it's all over Instagram. And I'm like, oh, it's got a little beat there. And I'm like, hold up. Because Girl <laughs> is too. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: it's definitely catchy for sure. I just wanted to I just wanted to know. And it seems like you're definitely up to date in what's happening and the trends and stuff like yeah. that. So
1: I'm a big music person. I mean my my dad was a huge music person, my mom and I like a lot of genres. But yeah, I mean that's that was part of the warm up, the hype music that whatever you you were listening to. Um, that was going to get you hype and ready for your match. I don't know if they still do it now but I know I do.
0: Well, the WTA website still says that your music of choice is R&B, hip-hop and gospel.
1: Yeah. that's still, that's still, still tracks. tracks? Yeah, still, <laughs> still tracks and I mean, there's a couple of the uh, um, couple of the you know, the rap songs that are a little catchy you know, it's, it's what is it, cool when they do it it's a problem when I do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah something you can bob your head to, you know <laughs> <laughs> The last question I have in this section I think Oh there's two more I'll pass one up Your favorite dish Something What are you cooking While you're listening To that song
1: Oh well I'm not cooking it But my mom (laughs) My mom's uh, Still my favorite dish Which was probably Still on my bio Is her turkey and rice Because she would make The gravy and the rice Ooh sometimes, she, you know, uh, it was just delicious. And her rice was amazing. So, I mean,
0: And I, everybody can't cook rice, which is weird. I know I just put it in the pressure cooker or whatever.
1: Was really very, she was a very, very good cook. And uh, that was, that was my all time, like comfort meal. And mm-hmm. I would go back to Michigan. Um, after a while, it was like, he was already ready. Like my mom knew to make that meal, and i was she like, "No," and I'm like, "That's my mom. She knows. <laughs> she knew to make the rice, and, and then she would make the turnip. Like I like the turnip greens.
0: Oh yeah, yeah.
1: Turnips on one side and the greens on the other side because I didn't like them mixed up. So she'd do that especially for me.
0: So you don't like your uh, your sweet potatoes and your mac and cheese touching at Thanksgiving. No. You don't like that. <laughs>
1: they gotta
0: be in- my little sister is exactly like that so i'm i'm completely fine with it i'm like uh, it's I'm, I'm cool with it but you know
1: all together on one fork but it can't be like yeah so
0: it can't be all soup together i no, get it i get true. it yeah. <laughs> well speaking of all soup together i'm interested to know where you keep your trophies at like do you keep them on your person where you stay or you no know, you know?
1: um i i gave um, this is a little side note for you so i gave now my brother a very very hard time about the fact that he, like, cause in their old house, they had this wall, he had this wall down their hall and it had all of his trophies on it and they moved mm-hmm. to house and the, the trophies never got displayed. And I was like, if there's any one trophy, <laughs> it will be your Wimbledon finalist trophy. Right. And I was right. doing so much crap and he's like, you know, cause then like, you know, my other places, like I, I, you know, I kind of displayed them a little bit. Sadly, they are in a huge Nike bag (laughs) in my closet. Um, Yeah, that's where they are. Because at one point I had like six clocks and I had, but but I will say, you can't see it, but on my refrigerator, uh, it's the Memphis Indoor Waterford Crystal. And uh, I won that. I I lost in the finals to Lisa Raymond and uh, Lindsay Davenport. And my partner was Angela Haynes. um, And I played with her. And that's actually on my refrigerator. On my refrigerator up there because it's a Waterford crystal and then um I have another crystal that's over there um and I, that's
0: yeah you know what you just did you just took one of the questions from my target practice and just threw it in there because I was definitely going to ask you about that championship run or that finalist run with Angela because she's actually one of my other favorite players as well yeah. do you remember they should have put you on this video game as well but you remember when she was on that video game way back years ago yeah. she was she was distinctive because she had a headband, and I mean, head, head. You know, it was distinctive, and Angie, she was a lefty.
1: About me, Angie was a big lefty and yep. uh, headband. Let me tell you what. Let me tell you about playing with Angela, and she actually doesn't like you to call her Angela. So Angie,
0: Angie, okay. <laughs> Angie,
1: um, you know, I loved playing with her because she was a lefty, and she's just oh my gosh. So Angela, Angie would never let me serve first. Now I felt very confident in my serve. I did. As you should have. <laughs> but when we played, um, you know, we had ball kids on the court and she'd be like, um, all right, I'm going tea. And I'm like, yes, I'm not serving first. I'm like, okay. <laughs> she had a monster serve. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was cracking. I mean, it was on. And I mean, you know, I say that jokingly. I really didn't care. I mean, she, she had a bigger serve than I did. Honestly, she, and it was a lefty. So coming in left, coming in hot, I mean,
0: Lice and all that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I used to, I mean, I enjoy playing with her. I mean, and that run that we had, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun in Memphis. And
0: I missed that tournament. Do you know know how many times you played it?
1: Uh, Probably. They only had the women's event there a couple of times Uh, maybe two or three times I I think I remember two or three times
0: they need to bring that back a lot of my favorite people played that tournament won that tournament it was just nice I'm and it was close I'm from Louisiana Baton Rouge Memphis is not that far I should have you know taken a drive one of those years or convinced my parents to go
1: (laughs) you know like tournaments being at country clubs and in clubs you know because a lot of them are at venues now and Mm -hmm. Um, uh, college campuses that they make into huge, you know. So that was kind of one of the last of the last of the clubs that they had. But it was it was awesome. I used to enjoy that tournament. They'd have they rolled out the lunch and the dinner for us, and and it was just it was well done. That was one. was when I found my love of blueberry donuts at that time. Because oh my gosh, so- like <laughs> wait, are like
0: the are they like the um, old traditional donuts?
1: Yeah, old Traditional like sourdough. They used to bring them in. Yes. Donut place there. I don't even know the name of the place, but every year I looked forward to going there because I knew they would have the blueberry donuts. So and now I like <laughs> blueberry donuts. I like blueberry schmear. I like blueberry bagels. I like I like blueberries. So,
0: <laughs> and they're good for you, even if they're in a donut. Yeah. At least, yeah. at least that's what that's what I think. I mean, tell Dunkin' Donuts, I would I'll be there ordering some. So you already took one of my questions, so I won't I won't hold it against you. But like, oh.
1: <laughs> well,
0: that means you just know a lot about. Your your career and hopefully you can answer some of these Ooh, questions I have for you. A
1: quiz.
0: <laughs> just a, a small pop quiz. I made it a little bit easier for you by giving you some multiple choice questions. So okay. this is just going to be a quiz format with some fun statistical questions about your career. First up, when and where did you make your first main draw singles appearance at a grand slam? And I'll give you Oh, uh,
1: you know I, I thought you were going to say um at a tournament, okay. Never no, mind. You said Grand Slam,
0: right? Grand Slam. I got three options for you. So, A, two thousand and two French Open, B, nineteen ninety nine Wimbledon, or C, nineteen ninety eight U S Open. U S Open all day. U S Open all day. Okay. Extra point if you remember who you played in that nineteen ninety eight U S Open.
1: U S <laughs> Open. When I was main draw. Janet Lee, maybe. No. Okay, hold on. Um, are you sure?
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I try my best to do my good research now, and from what I can see,
1: yeah. Match um, that I played at the U.S. Open in 1998.
0: I don't know if you're a fan of Eurosport. I'll give you a hint, but she's a pretty, you know, a fairly popular commentator on Eurosport.
1: It wasn't she, Barbara Shet.
0: Yep, bing, bingo. Bingo of Austria, yep. Shett. look at that.
1: So oh, nerve, Barbicet eagle. She's married. Okay. Um, uh, I was so nervous in that match. Yeah, and I, I never had nerves like that again. What were you
0: thinking? What were, do you remember what court you played on?
1: Even, uh, it was a show court. I want to say it was Court Four, but they they've changed the four like the layout of the the U.S. Open so much since then. Um, it was a show court, and I remembered barely keeping a ball in the court, and I. And I just, I like, I hit two ground strokes, and I went to the net, and I was like, <laughs> you know, and I just, I, I, didn't even know what was going on, and before I was off the court, and it was like three and three, I think, or three and three and one, or something like
0: that. I think it was three and two, but we're we'll gonna go at three and three. I mean, if that gives you extra game, I'm, all, I'm all for it.
1: While on the court, and it was just like, what just happened.
0: Yeah. I mean, but that's still that's still a goal, you know, like, I mean, as somebody that has been to the U.S. Open twice, I I can only imagine the jitters you feel to play in front of, you know, like your home, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, home crowd. So that's an amazing achievement. If you ask me any day of the week, honestly. Yeah. Uh, Next question. You kind of hinted at maybe knowing this one, but where did you get your first main draw win at a WTA level event? And bonus points again, if you remember who you beat. Ooh. oh so I gotta give you the options A. Quebec City in 1998 B. Tokyo in 1999 mm-hmm. C. Amelia Island in 2003
1: what was the first one?
0: Quebec City
1: And my first main draw match I mean it had mm-hmm. Quebec right
0: it was an interesting thing I don't know if you remember this you got in as a lucky loser
1: ooh <laughs> <laughs> to be quebec well and fun fact fun fact quebec city is my favorite city to travel to oh
0: wow why is that why is that
1: you know the first year that i went there um i feel like i don't know it was the first or second year that i went there actually my brother mashiska my dad was like here go to the tournament with your sister my dad was tired of traveling now go to your sister, (laughs) sister like just go with her and we and i just remember no, it was the second time I played that because the first year I stayed at the Chateau Frontenac, which is this huge castle like hotel on the St. Lawrence River. And then my brother, Mashiska, went with me the next next year. And I just remembered the first night I picked the place that we went to eat and it was it was not that good. But then my brother, he was warming me up every day. He was training, stretching, giving me all this advice. Now that might've been the year that I actually was the lucky loser. Cause I feel like maybe I lost to Lindsay Lee maybe. Um, and we just had, I can such, look that up. <laughs> we just had such a good time. You know, he had picked all the restaurants that night and we were laughing and having a good time. And you talk about just having the support, you know, and he was there and I just, and ever since then, I've loved the because the tournament, because where the hotel was, you can walk down by the boardwalk and the city itself is like in a stone wall and it's very mm. old and, you know, the cobblestone streets and it was wintry and it was the snows on the ground. And it's just very picturesque. It's beautiful. And it was just, and not to mention at the time, they really rolled out the red carpet for the players. I mean, you had like lunch and dinner served on like fine China and silver. Oh, wow. Pie. Just like oh, tea, you know, a <laughs> pinky up. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. The food was awesome, and then the tournament director, who you know, I we message back and forth, you know, every blue moon, but, and I mean, just they, the way they treated the players, it was just, it was just awesome. So that makes a very good experience when you can go to the tournament and
0: you feel comfortable. You know, I can imagine.
1: And it didn't matter that you know I probably didn't know what I was ranked at the time. But, <laughs> I mean, I clearly wasn't top hundred, but you know, because sometimes you could definitely feel the love at certain tournaments when it's for everybody, and you don't necessarily feel the love sometimes when you're you know you know outside the top hundred. Because I can tell you some stories about how I was treated outside the top hundred. Then mm. I got inside the top hundred, and it was, it was like wait. Wow, oh, I'm the same person. Wait, why do I get the red carpet? Why am I getting the royal treatment now? Oh, I'm not a scrub anymore. I see. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. That's crazy. I mean, you don't think about that kind of stuff when you're watching tennis, you know? Oh, Yeah.
1: Like I can, I'll give you one quick story. I was at a tournament and I literally had just got in the top hundred. I just broke the top hundred. And now, um, you know, you're signing up for practice courts and warm, up courts, when the schedule comes out, that's when everybody books their um, practice. That's how it was back then. And I remember this particular, um, tour supervisor, um, came up to me and said, Oh, I see that you're, you well, you're on tomorrow at 10 o'clock. I've already got you booked down for a practice court where you're going to be warming up with so-and-so. I was
0: like... (laughs) (laughs) Me.
1: (laughs) Oh, I was like, and I played it off. I was like, oh, great. Awesome. Thank you. And then I turned around and I walked away. I was like, back when I was 150, you didn't know my name hardly. And (laughs) you get one big win and all of a sudden... But I don't like how people change up like that. Mm -hmm. You know, on the USTA level, there were two particular supervisors that were amazing. They were amazing. They really taught me how to um especially on later on when i was a manager um li- literally it didn't matter if you were 900 or nine in the world they treated you the same you know and
2: mm-hmm. you
1: said, nope you got to sign up just like everybody else nope you got to call in just like everybody else
0: and i can and i feel like that treatment just outside of looking in i can see how that maybe has changed or even maybe has gotten a little bit worse compared to you know how top players get uh, t- treated and how uh lower ranked players get treated
1: i mean i get it i understand but i mean we're all professionals and i and i get i i get it like when i played fed cup and i played with uh what was that year i played with venus venus williams and i remember when we were all on the panel and they were interviewing us i got one question she got five i got one question she got another 10 i get it i understand it you know and i'm totally okay with that but when you're like blatant like uh
0: I'm not lesser than, you know, we're, we're, we're playing, we're doing the same thing here. We're doing the same thing here.
1: Yeah. But you got to pay your dues. I get it.
0: Yeah. So. All right. So let's go into another question in the target practice round. This one is a little bit more specific. So you may have to think a little bit. I I can, I can see your wheels starting to turn. (laughs) Which future hall of famer did you face in the finals of a ITF 75K event in Midland, Texas.
1: Was it Lena? A? Midland, Midland, Michigan, Lena.
0: Oh, it was in Midland, Michigan?
1: Yeah, freezing cold Midland, Michigan, yeah.
0: And it, you you said it was who? Lena. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lena, do you remember that match very vividly? I
1: mean, like, I something. Woo! And when you said Midland, I was like, oh, that's Lena. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's
0: amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, ama- it's amazing that you have that memory because I don't know if I could, I mean, I'm not as wise as you are, but in 2001 doesn't seem like I would be like, what happened in 2001 besides like a major event, you know?
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I have a huge in Midland, Michigan and 75 was the only, well, aside from the one that I won Oh, I guess I did get to the final of that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, all right. Now, yeah, I just didn't really realize that.
0: <laughs> I was trying to go back and forth because for whatever reason, when I was researching it, it just says Midland. And uh, in America, there's a couple of different Midlands. And I went with Texas because I figured it might have been an easier trip or, you know.
1: but it's Dow Corning. I would go to Michigan all the time because that was a great time to move in and see my mom and dad. And they would always drive up, my sister. And, and Dow Corning was one of the majors. Sp- they've been the sponsor since then.
0: Was- I think they still are. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah there's not a lot going on in Midland, Michigan. <laughs> I mean, that tournament, but they've made an amazing tournament that that tournament was a twenty five thousand dollar event. then And mm-hmm. then it was a 70. But I believe it's a tour event now.
0: Isn't it's it? right underneath. It's a one twenty five K last time I checked.
1: Okay, yeah, so I can totally see that. But I mean, as far as amenities, uh, I mean, they've really rolled out the they, they make the players feel really special there, too.
0: Well, good. I'm glad that I'm hearing some of these like really good experiences, because sometimes you hear some that aren't so great. Do you do you have any do you have any of your own? where It's like I wouldn't go back to that tournament or it just was less than what I expected.
1: For me, I never wanted to put myself in a position where I had to do that. So Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to travel to. You know, some places in South America, or Africa. You know, just I wasn't going to do that. I, I was going to grind it out and be comfortable, be safe, and you know, be a phone call away or a flight away from home. I just chose that was for me. I didn't feel like I was going to go way to another country and and try to get the points and stuff like that. I just I, I wanted to be comfortable. I wanted to be happy where I was playing, um, and that's that's kind of how I did. I remember one time I went out to Latina, Italy, and. Mm-hmm. um I remember the, the, the light, the electricity went out in the city for like a day and a half or two days. It was hot. And, um, and I remember just eating bread and pasta for a couple of days and you try to eat bread and pasta, cause <laughs> and, uh, we literally took the train uh, 45 minutes into Rome to get to Rome to a hard rock cafe, or it was a planet Hollywood one, one of the two, I think, I believe it was a hard rock cafe. And I ordered a salad. <laughs> salad and I ate every bit of that salad but that's <laughs> my worst experience but you know I had you know uh players of friends that had you know some worst experiences that I did with housing where you know I remember one of my friends um she was at a, we were in Vancouver at a tournament and the housing was through her coach or somebody that she knew and you know I saw her the next day and I was like hey I was like why do you look like you're looking terrible <laughs> and she's like Shona like this housing I don't know what's going on with like but she's like I slept outside on the porch I was like mm. I was like you what and and she was younger at the time she was probably maybe 19 or 20-ish um, and I've, I was in my latter 20s so I obviously I'd been on tour and had a lot of experiences and she's like and I was like we were knocking on the door and we know she was home and she didn't let us in and I was like oh no <laughs> I was like, you're gonna go get your stuff right now. Go! Get, I don't care who this person is. Go get your stuff. Bring it back here now. We're in the because every tournament has like private housing, and this mm-hmm. was housing through the tournament and um, it was from somebody else, and I said no 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 we're not doing that and then so I went and I went I took her to the tour supervisors and I told her told them what happened and they were like oh no we're going to try to get you some housing because again she you know she couldn't afford to be in the hotel we were in Vancouver Canada you know so right. you can see and and then anyways long story short it ended very nicely she got into a, a family with a home that was beautiful and they took care of her and I was like don't ever do that again like do not ever do that again like the you know so even if the supervisors will help you or if you call them, they will do something because the, the safety of the players is a concern of the tournament. Yeah,
0: because if there's no players being safe, there's yeah. no tournament being had. There's no it, it's a trickle effect. So yeah. that makes sense. That makes sense to me.
1: Although they can't guarantee the safety of the players, but they do put them in cities that, you know, that are relatively safe. They're not going to, you know, they're, they're not going to jeopardize the players uh, safety.
0: That's good. That's good to hear. I mean, I hope that's still the same. And I think it. I think it is. I mean, most of the players, even like small things, like I can imagine flying and, and, and oh, yeah. getting on buses and stuff. You don't even think about some of that stuff when you, unless you really stop to think about it, like the logistics of it all. Yeah.
1: Back when I played, it was like, um, so I would go to a tournament in Germany and I would reach out to the German transportation there. And I would tell them when I was flying in and they would, Come pick you up at the airport. I'm guessing that's the person because they're holding up a racket. Oh. <laughs> My name, and you're assuming that's the person, but you never know. People can intercept or something like that, and you just never know. But yeah, you're getting in the car with a complete stranger. I remember driving. I was in Bad in Germany. It was a smaller event. It was like a 50 or 25. And I remember the they pick us up in like the Mercedes or the BMW. You know, they have like racing <laughs> records over there. It's winter, mm-hmm. and flying, you know, going like 80, 90, and on a winter <laughs> road. And I'm just like,
0: I'm not used to this. <laughs>
1: This at all. And it's just like, oh no, it's okay. I, I'm a very good driver. Okay. you. I... <laughs> so it was it was it was fun. It was fine. I got there safely. I'm still here, as you can see. Yeah,
0: and and thriving. That we, we love to see that. So speaking of fun, I know you mentioned earlier your partnership with Angela Haynes and the Memphis uh, tournament. You guys ended up losing that finals match to Lindsay Davenport and Lisa Raymond. Lindsay Davenport is an interesting character to me as far as tennis. Do you remember playing her in singles at all?
1: I did. I remember that match, and I'm still mad at myself for not winning that match. But hey, you know.
0: Where did you guys play that the match you should have won? Uh,
1: so the turn, the very first tournament after that 101 ranking that I got um, <laughs> in uh, at. Uh, went after Wimbledon, I played Stanford and I was a lucky loser. I lost to Ludmilla Skavranskaya in the final round, but I was a lucky loser. So I got in and then I won my first and second round or whatever. Then I played Lindsay in the quarters and I lost the, um, I think I lost the first set. I remember losing the first set. And then in the second set, I would won the second set. And then I remembered, I remembered in the third set, third set, um I could tell in that first game she like shifted a gear like I could see her like step it up a little bit like mm. she's playing her game and I and I was like oh <laughs> and I didn't like step up and then I was like I could visibly and I remember saying she stepped up but I didn't step up too and let her know that I wasn't going away and sometimes mm. I think that's the difference between you know players that are 50 and you know the top 10 players like they have that extra gear that they kick up into you know they move up into and sometimes if you don't have that extra gear at least act like it or play like it or just crack a couple shots that let, lets them know like hey I'm you're
0: still here this. yeah
1: here, so that was one of the matches where I was like, I didn't step up, you know. And I remembered when I played um, Sharapova in New Haven, Connecticut. When I uh, when I beat her there, I do remember too when I won the. I think I won the first set, and then she came back. She stepped it up, but then I stepped it up. But but our games were a better matchup, though.
0: You guys have an interesting rivalry in head to head. Do you know? Do most people come up and talk to you about your match with Sharapova? No. Or some people do.
1: No. No, i mean i you know I, I kind of fly under the radar i don't really talk about you know tennis. like oh yeah by the way you know i used to be this tennis player that you know um but i don't know it was just a game i i, I don't know i figured out her game and people used to ask me how to play her all the time and i would tell them and they would be winning and i was like oh, okay i'll tell you player and you know
0: they should have gave you some of their prize money then
1: right? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh.
0: just a little slice a little slice
1: <laughs> I, oh, I will help you yeah but it was just one of those things and it's just like but um yeah I mean, looking back, there was a, there was a few matches that I wish that I could, I could have played a little bit differently, um, you know, strategy wise or confidence wise. And just knowing that, you know, just kind of, I think it was more of a mental thing because I I think I definitely had the physicality and Mm -hmm. ability, but a lot of times people do not take into account for the mental aspect and how strong you have to be, you know, at certain points in certain games in the match.
0: Because, you know. I mean, that's that's tennis. I mean, it, it is a, as much a chess game as it is physical, you know, like it's a mixture of chess and boxing, mano e mano, thinking each other out. I mean, you were good at that. I mean, if, I, I remember tons of matches just like following you because I started playing. I started started playing in 2006 and watching in 2006. And I mean, you were right. You were right there. You got you got airtime, all that stuff.
1: Yeah, I really think it was like kind of a mental thing. And that's where I think, you know, when I always say coaches can be very key, um, especially ones that have played before sometimes. Also, just coaches in there that can really tell you, okay, when you get to this point, this is what's got to happen. Or, you know, sometimes you're just, you know, they just, you just know how to buckle down. It's just like, you know, I, one of my favorite teams is the Gold State Warriors. You know, you can, you can look at Steve Kerr and you can see he's a player's player, you know, versus, like, some other players. Like, for me, in my opinion, I don't know that Michael Jordan is a player's player. You know, he's mm-hmm. – he, like, get out there and do it. And he's like, no, like Steve is like, you know, he's like one of those players or like Phil Jackson. Like, he, you know, he knows how to get in the head and how
0: Real to. Real cerebral. Yeah.
1: yeah, Very cerebral. And they know, and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. I got to be able to, okay. I'm not going to go for too much at this point. I'm going to be solid. And, you know, I think different coaches can bring that to your game, you know? Um, and I, and I think that's where I maybe lacked a little bit, where I could have been a little bit. Cause I, cause I was, I was a fighter. I, I was going to go down. You know, I was going to go down fighting, but it was just like sometimes certain, you know, kind of pulling it together. It's,
0: it's- I just I just had a flashback to there's a, a highlight video of your finals match against Sharapova in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And the scoreline didn't go how you would want it, but you could tell that you were still in it to win it, even when you got that, that one game. I think you got out of the screen. <laughs>
1: Was darn fast course she just killed me she was like you're never beating me again I was just like, yeah and i remember the crowd i was like i was fighting every point but it was just like she always got like one more one more ball and i'm like are you kidding me she got fast court though and in Tokyo, they were really fat.
0: Did you guys ever, like, you know, cross paths in the locker room and say more well, than high and bye?
1: We did, actually. She was one of the one players that I actually, uh, she she was telling me one, we actually was in Tokyo, because she was the one who taught me about shabu shabu, how you have, like, the thinly sliced beef and the rice, and oh, it was amazing. She was telling me- <laughs> Well, actually, she was telling me about that in Korea. But a lot of people, I think, in my opinion, definitely, um, she was super nice to me always and i maybe it's because she had a level of respect for me but um but i found it easy to talk to her and you know she just felt like you know in talking to her and her one of her former coaches just uh, sometimes i think people just felt like they didn't like her or she didn't like them but i don't know that she knew how to kind of conversate like sometimes you know gotcha and so um but she was like super nice to me we talked a lot you know actually for from the Times that I played, when times that we saw each other in the locker room, we actually talked quite a bit. But um, and she loved to shop. I mean, she was telling me all these and all this stuff. I was like, oh, wow. she's like, I shop on this, and she was just going on and on. I was like, wow, okay, this is really great. So, <laughs> you know, she, you're nice, and that's why I always tell people. But like her persona on the court was different. You know, she was a she was a battler. She was very cerebral, as you say, and um, she knew how to like reel it in. And she obviously had very good mental coaches, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why
0: she won a lot. She did okay. <laughs> She's all right. <laughs> but I'm glad you mentioned shopping because that's going to segue into our inside out segment of questions. And these are questions about the inside parts of tennis that people may or may not realize. Mm-hmm. So, what are some things you've done? I'll ask you this in, in, in terms of shopping. What are some things you've done to splurge or celebrate after a good win?
1: <laughs> um, it was. Well, it wasn't really a good win. Sometimes I felt like if I had a good, um, I had, I have a nice collection of watches. Okay. <laughs> I have a, I, I was in this watch phase where I, I had to have a lot of nice watches. And again, those are in the bag that are in the box.
0: <laughs> how heavy is that bag now? Do you know how heavy it is? Could you guess? <laughs>
1: To the bag of the closet. And I was my sister was like, by the way, where's I was like, my sisters have uh, gotten a fair share of my watches <laughs> and um, my purses. And um, so, and then after a while, I think when I got out of tennis, like I stopped with the shopping. You know, I, it's just one of those things And when you're on tour, so you're just like, oh, let me get these and get that. So, watches were my thing for a while, um, purses were my thing for a while. And um, now, um, now, just kind of general.
0: General stuff. Is yeah. there anything that you did to save money? Because I mean, I'm as we talked about already, it's expensive out there, going from city to city, country to country. Anything you did that might be like, oh, I didn't, I didn't think somebody would do that to kind of cut cut corners or cut cost.
1: Well, for me. Um um, well that's why I played doubles. <laughs>
0: <laughs> to pad it a little bit. I get that. I, I get that.
1: I <laughs> so that's why I played doubles, uh, so I could like justify. But I was really, really big on that 14, 21 day advance ticket. Like, oh, I was always I was all over that. I was all over um miles and um in terms of getting uh Three, freaking flyer miles um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: a lot of times i i roomed with other players to split costs um you know split costs on hotels on cars um but then again like i said i had mom and dad so sometimes <laughs> <laughs>
0: i mean i'm still i'm still depending on mine too so yes. i mean we never stopped we never really yeah.
1: stopped <laughs> but, I still, but i mean even though i was like they would help out a lot but i still would I would still room and, you know, with other, I would always have a roommate and, um, at a lot especially overseas sometimes. And we just learned to kind of travel together and, you know, and and that's one of the things that I did. And then plus, you know, kind of learning on investing. And then for me, I have, you know, just your basic IRA. And I I knew that from a long time ago that I was always Mm -hmm. putting money into that. So I thought that that was super important because I knew about retirement and stuff like that. Um, but. You know, now I'm kind of getting into a little bit of investing, so and I'm at a better place to to be able to do that. So it's just I think, you know, a lot of things if if people can start out now in terms of like investing, and not just saving, but investing to um so your money makes money. Mm -hmm. I think I hope that I think the WTA and I least I hope they have some kind of financial Um, literacy type courses that you can take because like you see all the time players, you know, they're like, Oh, you made all this money. But I'm like, well, no, did you really? But it's like, you're spending a lot of it too.
0: Expenses. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Unless you're putting it back. It's just like, it's, it's just going out of the window. Right.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, I wouldn't even want to see some of the, like, bottom line of a tennis player or, like, I mean, the ex- no, no, the spreadsheet. No, no,
1: me traveling with a coach. I mean, this is not even paying the coach. That low, and this is cutting. It was, like, at the time, it was, like, sixty, seventy thousand dollars 70000 Just,
0: just to, pay, to pay the coach for their services?
1: Even for traveling. That's just oh, for
0: traveling. traveling, wow.
1: All that stuff, yeah, and paying, yeah. So that's, like, and, you know, you, you have some coaches that are, like, you know, 5,000 a week, you know, or 5,000, you know, it's like, Ooh, yeah. So it's, it's expensive. It's not cheap, you know, but the return is greater because I know a couple of players that are like, I don't want to pay that for a coach, but it's the return. You got to look at your return on your money.
0: Would you ever change anything about that? About like Absolutely. the coaching?
1: Absolutely. Hands down. There's a, there's a basketball player, one basketball player that once told me might know his name. His name's Clyde Drexler. Was-
0: that sounds familiar. <laughs> Very familiar.
1: <laughs> he's a big time avid uh, tennis player. And there's a club that I used to practice at across town. And um, and, and one time I was practicing, we were just hitting around whatever. And um, he's like, it's talking about my career and all this. And he says, you know, Shona, you need to get you a, like one of the, like a high caliber coach, blah, blah, blah. And, and I was just like, eh, you know, I just kind of looked at it and I, uh, you know, cause you're thinking like, yeah, he's a basketball player. And, you know, and then I was in one, one breath, I was like, I'm happy with the coach I have on the other breath. On the other side, I was just like, Oh, you know, eh, you just don't really know. But now looking back and I'm like, I so should, you know, cause I, my thing was, um, well, you know, I don't really don't want to pay for that. And I, I wasn't, mm-hmm. I, but I don't know what that coach, whoever I would have sought out, they might have said, you know what, Shauna? I don't like, I don't need the money. Let's just do this. And then, you know, um, if 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 anything comes of it, then we'll we'll, we'll work it out then. You just never know unless you ask. And that's the one thing that I wish I had done was kind of sought out some different, um, maybe, would you call maybe high caliber coaches or winning coaches that have been out there or had the longer track records that have proven to like, cause I think they could have brought something different to my game. And I think they could have, that could have been the missing piece that I needed like the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, and you never know. And so that's one thing I definitely kind of regret as a player, not mm-hmm. taking, and sometimes, and I am one to believe there, are, I mean, he, you know, Clyde Drexler is not a slouch by any you know, means of the, so sometimes that you have to know when people are right in front of you telling you, you need this to do this. And you know, you're just like, <laughs> what are you talking about? So that was kind of like one of the things and I'm like, I wonder if that would have made a difference. And I really do. Cause I was, um, I was just being conservative at the time. And I, you know, made the best decision that I thought was best for me at the time. At
0: the time. Yeah. I mean, you can't fault, you can't fault yourself for that.
1: I because it was no reward. I didn't risk it, <laughs> so I didn't get the reward. I'm still mad about that.
0: Are there any players or have you thought about maybe doing some coaching on the WTA ranks a little bit? Has anybody ever reached out to you or you reached out to them?
1: Well, you know, USTA, they are always inviting me to some of the meetings or this or that. And no, I don't reach out to anybody. I don't right now I don't have a desire to travel like that. Mm-hmm. And I'd have to um really see what their what their mindset is and their coaching and their and then what their style and their working ability and all that i don't have a desire to do that i don't i don't really want to travel i mean i I remember traveling what 52 weeks a year i remember there was a time that i traveled 41 weeks out of the year and i mean and once you're on that when you're out of that mode, and I and I remember talking to my brother, older brother Mal, when he retired, I was thinking, "Gosh, I didn't." And I was still playing, and I was like, "How are you not traveling? Like, what do you mean you don't want to travel?" And I'm like, "I get it. Like, my flight's over two hours. I'm like, oh jeez."
0: <laughs> That's like a flight here to Atlanta. That's not that Hi, bad. Two hours,
1: you know. And I got you know, and like going to Hawaii, I'm like, wait, if I'm flying five hours, I better be out of the country. That's all I got to say. <laughs> I, I don't Right now, I don't have a desire, but you never know what opportunities, you know, can present themselves. I mean, I'd love to be in, you know, something behind a mic on, on TV or interviewing, and things, something like that. I would love to do. Uh, but in terms of coaching, me, eh, not so much.
0: Well, your brother, Mel, was a ESPN analyst and commentator for a while, right?
1: Mm, yeah, he does some, he does a here and there, but not so much. I mean, he has his business in Florida. He's a real estate investor. He's doing all that. And he's, you know, really doing great with that and has his foundation. So that takes up all of his time, family, kids.
0: You guys seem like a really tight knit unit. I love, I love hearing that. And I feel like tennis is one of those sports where you, like we've talked about before, you have to be, but then it's also individual sports. So that all ties into the support system, you know?
1: Yeah, it is. And so like where I could get a lot of advice from like my brother, Mal, but on the other side too, he was also, He's, he's the guy, you know, you know he's the guy, if I, you know, he's, you know, a lot of times, you know, like the stuff that he was just like, oh just suck it up. And I'm like, but I can't, <laughs> I just can't throw it over the fence and just hope it all comes together. I need to talk every point out, you know, so we're a little different in that um, aspect, but I mean, he was super helpful and supportive and, you know, they, they all were. So it, it was just, it was just awesome.
0: Was there any one match that taught you like the biggest lesson that you kind of take with you.
1: One match that taught me the biggest lesson that I kind of take with me to go for it. Like I it might've been Maria it could have been Lindsay. It could have been any one of those matches where I look back and I, and I didn't go for it, you know? And I, and I do believe, I mean, I mean, what would have been the outcome winning the match? You know, I mean, I you know, you just kind of play conservatively. I, I do think there's like a, a balance between being conservative. But I also think that there's something to be said for, you know what, if um, you got to go for what you want and, mm. and like don't. And I'm never one. I, I'm always about, about sportsmanship. I, because I am one, and I'll say this to anybody: there's enough sunshine for everybody. I don't need to be jealous of what you have and what you, you know, what you're doing. Because I know if I put in the same amount of work or more, um, I know I can have that and then some. So I, I am one. Whether it's my personal life or professional life, I, I am one to believe. Like I, I'm definitely a go-getter, and I, I want to. If I want something, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get it and make sure I keep it.
0: That's amazing. I can take that with me in my personal life today and, and apply that to so many different things. So thank you for that. I appreciate yeah.
2: that. Right, go. Um,
0: <laughs> if there is, we might've talked about this a little bit, but you, you might have a different answer. Um, is there any one particular loss that you would turn into a win if you were a genie for a day? Would it be one of the I'm matches gonna, we I mentioned? I a
1: match point against Maria match <laughs> match I mean, is This is where we're going with this. You know, <laughs> I was serving and those birds, pigeons came down out of nowhere. There was like six of them on the court. I'm like, how does this even happen? You know, and like that was one match that I—I I mean, I don't even know—and she hits this winner off a forehand, and I'm like, "That was one match."
0: Well, I was rooting for you. I was rooting for you. I mean, and, it, and it's still memorable. I mean, yeah. I mean, I—I I, I remember that. I mean, it was a great fighting it, match and all this. Yeah,
1: I remember it too. I remember. And the only thing is, the, the what people don't know about that match, I was like, I was turning my neck already. People don't know <laughs> about that match is the day before in practice. I don't know what I did. I turned my neck. And I had a crook in my neck. So I literally couldn't turn it past here. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to play my match. So the trainers had this like heating thing on my neck because I couldn't play. And I was just like, I can't turn my neck. And I was like hitting a backhand like this. <laughs> yeah, and then like that's where I lost the first set and I the adrenaline kicked in and I probably I said a few – choice words to myself
0: which is fine
1: <laughs> I, and i said just you know basically suck it up and just play the match is what i told myself and then then the adrenaline kicked in and then i started playing and it wasn't an issue and then i had like a little slight leg strain but then but then like i played but that was after but well, you know too much a little too late but
0: it sounds like you're a soldier on the court to me would you would you say clay is your fi- was one of your favorite surfaces no, I, no okay
1: wasn't, but I, but you know, when you have like a versatile game, like, I, I one thing I would. You know, I love about the fact that my dad was, he was one that we were going to be well-rounded players, right? I wasn't going to have a huge backhand weakness because there were some players growing up. It was like, ah, just hit the miles backhand. (laughs) That's what I got to do. It's like, oh, it's going to break down under pressure, you know? It wasn't like that. It was like we were going to have solid, you know, my volleys were solid and my my ground shooks, my serve. I was well-rounded. So my game really was suitable for all surfaces. I personally loved indoors, indoor Hmm. And and just hard courts in general. That's that's oh, cool. through and through.
0: That's that's mostly what I've played on, except maybe some hard true, you know, yeah. like in Charleston.
1: Yeah, the clay. I mean nothing beats the, the Terra two at the French Open though. I mean they try to
0: Everyone says that.
1: Yeah, they try to do a red clay here, red clay there in Europe. (laughs) It's all different. It's it's nothing. I don't know what they do to the clay over there, but it's like amazing. It's like amazing stuff to slide on and to be. And it's like never like a a clump in it. You don't roll your ankle, you know, unless you're on the tarp that's back there. Like what is what was it? (laughs) a couple years ago? Um, Goffin. It was
0: yes, yeah. That did happen to him. Yeah,
1: that was terrible. But yeah, I mean, the clay is it's. I needed, I just need to do like a grand slam and just go and just travel and just go back to the Australian, which was, I'll be honest with you. That was not the trip that I ever looked forward to because I mean, the ticket alone was like (laughs) $3,000.
0: I can imagine.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I was was like, God, I hate this trip. Then you take a coach. I mean, you're out $7,000 at the top of the year. You're like me already. Already.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Haven't even got there to play yet.
1: (laughs) From door to door, it's twenty three hours worth of traveling. It's just like what in the world? So, but um, that was not my favorite tournament to travel to. A, a lot of people love that tournament. I loved. I love the U.S. Open.
0: I think it's changed over the years, just as a viewer's perspective. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's the most progressive uh grand slam you know
1: very um, traditional the u.s open is like you know never sleeps and french Mm -hmm. you know very traditional as well which i love about that that too and but they're slowly you know adding their own flavor you know like with their tiebreak system at the end and how they're doing but i mean it's, it's great i think it's still good how um they're you know they're still rolling out the they're getting better and better every year From what I can see, I haven't been. And I
0: think they're going to do more night matches with the lights and stuff this year. So, if you're interested in the clay, keep out with that. That'll
1: be fun. Yeah, that just see the see night matches because you know after a while at eight thirty nine o'clock, I mean they were they
0: shut it down. Yeah.
1: So that'll be interesting for for the French Open on clay. That'll be nice to see.
0: It should be a good visual on television too. One day I'll be able to go.
1: It'll be a nice trip. It'll be a nice trip. It's not too too far. Um, I, I mean, I always like it was a short trip for me. I mean, I came back between. I usually came back between the French and and Wimbledon. I didn't really like to stay over there. I just rather come home.
0: Did you prefer the grass or clay? I to... After
1: I learned how to play on it, I definitely love grass because you know a dry grass court to me played a lot like a hard court. I mean, I mean the bounce it does drop a little bit, but I love I love grass courts.
0: I think my personal game might like might like the uh, grass course. I feel like I play a little bit like Petra Kavitova. I'm a lefty. I kind of just go for my shots. And, you know, we, we're not out there for too long.
1: it, <laughs> for broke. That's what we do. Yeah. We That's win. what I do. Wow, we well, need to work the point a little bit. Work the point. Work the point.
0: <laughs> I try. I try. On, like, on like Mondays and Wednesdays. But on every other day, it's like, we're going for winners, okay? We're going to literally up the stat sheet. <laughs>
1: After about three, but if you can keep a minimum of three to five balls in play, you're pretty much going to win the point.
0: I'm going to take that into consideration at my four o oh, four five level.
1: <laughs> That's my nugget that I'm giving you.
0: Okay, I can work with that because I have to get back into playing. It's been way too cold in Atlanta to to realistically play.
1: Yeah, it's very yeah, it's cold here too. Oh, so.
0: well, speaking of cold, we're going to do a cool down section. This is our last section before I have two questions I want to get into with you that are kind of curated especially for you. Okay. So. Um, cool down when we do like more social, introspective questions. So, who are um, you, may have, you may have kind of alluded to this because we've been we've been having a great conversation so far. But who are some of your favorite players on tour that you've practice practiced with or hung out with when you were on tour?
1: Well, whew, players that I hung out, with, I hung out a lot with Lori McNeil. If you remember her? Yeah,
0: yeah. She yeah. Never. Heard she's in she's in Texas too, right?
1: Houston. Yep. Yeah. Um, don't ever go shopping with Lori. <laughs> <laughs> she will encourage you to buy the store. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get everything in that color. But I do. And I I want to say her because I credited her for having really really good volleys. Because to me, when I was, when I practiced early on in my twenties, and you know, and Lori was kind of towards the end of her career, um, she served as a pretty good mentor for me in terms of practice. And and I remember her volleys were like textbooks textbook ball is to me and that's why i'm like oh man, man that's why i think i have mine were really really crisp i think mm-hmm. um and a couple of players one of my really good friends jenny hopkins who's married to taylor ditt she was one of my really good oh. friends um i was the maid of honor in her wedding and samantha reese those are all the ones that kind of came along with me um and we just we still keep in touch to this day but it's just one of those things that you kind of never it's like you're 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 caught up in your day-to-day life but when you are Back on the phone, you just catch everything up in the last year, and you're like, oh, yeah, all right, I'll talk to you in six months. And so those are the people that I – a lot of them, the ones that I've really played out. And one of my really good friends, Sharon, uh, is another Canadian. Sharon um, Fishman. She always 15 Had
0: you partnered with her in doubles before?
1: I played a lot, and I won a lot with Sharon, yep. And Heidi Eltebach was another one of them. She was Canadian, too. Um, that was – we went through – Heidi and I went through a lot together. <laughs> We went through a lot <laughs> um, just in terms of like practicing wins, losses, guy stuff, you know. <laughs> so we went through a lot. Um, but that was, that was, those are my girls right there. So they were super fun uh, to still be in touch with as our lives have kind of evolved outside of tennis.
0: It's. I mean, I can imagine being I feel like I've said this a thousand times today, but. As a tennis player, you know, as a professional tennis player, like you said, traveling 40, 50 weeks out of the year, when you're kind of on the other side of that, how many people can really relate to it? You know, so you you kind of always have that connection, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, you do, because you're all going through that. You're all trying to figure out when are you getting there? When are you leaving? Like, you know, are we practicing? You know, did my bags get there? That was that was a lesson that I learned, you know, one of the years that I flew to England. That I, my bags didn't come for a day and a half, so I didn't have clothes. I just had my rackets. So I learned to pack an outfit. (laughs) <laughs> packers outfit, packer, you know, just in case, because we could take our bags, our racket bags, and that was going to be on my person. So mm-hmm. I, I learned from that too, that you always practiced and you always carried like an outfit just in case your bags didn't make it. And that didn't happen to me too many times. I didn't have any terrible stories about cancellations. But yeah, we definitely bond together over wins and losses, um, coaching issues. Um, you know, personal issues and things like that. I mean, everybody, and that's the side that you don't see. Like a, like I said, a friend of mine, I mean, she has a she has to take medication for a, a tumor that she has, and mm. you don't see that. And she, unless she takes that medicine, she's not going to be around. And we, mm. people just don't see that, you know, athletes are human too. We get sick, we get hurt, you know, we don't feel like playing. Um, we're over it some days, and some days you just want to sit and just sit on the couch and eat eat. You know, for me, it's like a
0: lot—chips and <laughs> chips and guacamole or something. <laughs> exactly.
1: You just want to do that, and and sometimes you know you just want to be like not the athlete, <laughs> you know. But um, I don't think people understand that, and then then couple that with the the pressures of playing and traveling and making money and trying to pay for your next trip and your next trip, and, it, and it's it's a lot. It really is.
0: It is. I can I can I can see it. I just as a fan that watches pretty much every tournament throughout the year Uh, playing must be that can i can see how there's some weeks where you're just like i don't really feel like hitting this yellow ball today
1: yeah like literally you just want to stay in bed for a couple of days and you're just like i don't want to do anything today i'm going to be a tourist and that's literally what i would do like i said when i would travel like um you know went out to oxford went out to stonehenge you know did the tour out down on the river Seine in paris um did the whole thing like some harlem toured at the U S open, went over to Ellis Island, you know, just doing all these things and, and just to like, give yourself a break because it does get taxing on the mind, the body and, you know, the brain. And, you know, you just want to be home and, you know, God forbid something happens when you're on the road. Cause I've had, you know, you know, um, uh, players where things that have happened to their family where they're just, they have to just leave and leave the tournament, you know, and, mm-hmm. And you got to pick things up, pick and put the pieces back together again, you know, but, um, but it's, it's just like any other job, you know, it's just, a lot more.
0: <laughs> is there after like, you know, it's all said and done and you retired, is there anything that you can reflect on that you'd like to be remembered for in your career or like anything that you would any f- phrasing or word that you can kind of lay on like you know what that's Moshona Washington's tennis career, you know?
1: I heard a fist pump in my face, that's for sure. Cause you're <laughs> one time. Like no yeah, it was one of, um I, I think I was definitely a fighter. I was feisty. I mean I, I don't think I lacked any kind of attitude out there, that's for sure. Um I think if people were to say about that was that's what they would say. I had attitude I was feisty and I was a fighter. And like I said, if I if I was uh, locked in and if there was something that I wanted, I was going after And I was going after that match. And I was gonna and I was gonna fight <laughs> to the end till they said game set match. You know. So I wasn't, and
0: that's tennis. You you really have to keep doing it until they say game set match because
1: I was not giving up. If I was out there, if I stepped out on the court, it was like okay, we're in a battle. You know, even if I did lose zero and one in the finals. <laughs>
0: We don't bring that up. I mean, you got a really nice, you got a really nice finalist check, didn't you? I mean.
1: Yeah, I did. Oh yeah, check was, was nice. They gave me like a Nintendo game system or something. Like, I don't even play Nintendo or whatever. It was some kind of gaming system. I gave it to my nephew. Yeah. And then I mean, as a perk, back then, I think more like Uh, companies are more, um, they don't give a lot of product like they used to, but I remember back then, like at the, like they would I got like a camera every year at the U S open, like the when Olympus was the
0: sponsor Oh yes, of the U S open series. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I've got like four or five cameras around here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Does Olympus even make cameras anymore?
1: No, probably not. But
0: I haven't heard that name since the U S open series was a thing.
1: We see it like, we would get player gifts. And the player gifts were amazing. I remember, like the tournament in Birmingham, I still, I still, I ran across that. They gave us this blue. It was a Tiffany pin, ink pin. Oh wow. Yeah, I, and every year was a Tiffany gift. I've got more Tiffany gifts lying around here.
0: <laughs> I need to get more tournaments under my belt besides Indian Wells and the U.S.
1: Open. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, they gave us like little the gifts, and it was amazing. I used to go, you know, go to tournaments according to the gifts.
0: <laughs> hey, and who could blame you? I mean, it, that's a perk of all the hard work you've put in, you know? So I'm not mm-hmm. – hey, I would be right there with you. Give me all the good things and the blueberry donuts. <laughs>
2: <laughs> blueberry donuts, absolutely. <laughs>
0: Okay, so I have two more special questions that I've curated for you, because we are as we record this, we're in our final days of the month of January, which means February is literally right around the corner, which is crazy. Um, and I thought with you being one of the relatively small uh, amount of black talent to reach the top 100 in professional tennis, I'd love we can kind of go back to your uh, time on tour for a minute and talk about the vibes in the locker room between the players. Was I mean, you've, you've alluded to this, but since it's on my agenda, I feel like I should ask. <laughs> was Was there a sense of connection between you and other black players? If so, what are some of the memories that kind of stick out from that?
1: Absolutely. Well, talking about the Memphis tournament, um, I remembered I was playing with Angie Haynes there, and Asha Roll was there. She was a former uh, top hundred. Uh, I don't think Jamia Jackson was there. Um, uh, Jennifer- I
0: remember her too, actually. Yeah.
1: Jennifer Ellie was there, but she 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 was never a top hundred player, but she was she played a lot. And and I just remembered being <laughs> in the Memphis tournament, and um, you know a lot of the um, the people that. Cleaned and you know they were us and down in the locker rooms and you know they couldn't cheer too loud for us right because you know mm.
2: they didn't
1: want to make mm-hmm. it seem like they were on one side or the other and <laughs> but it didn't matter where we wherever we were at tournaments you know we always kind of you know kind of got together and you know at we'd go to the dinners at night and we would all be at the table we would just like have such a good time and everybody was trying to come to our table because we were just laughing, <laughs> having a great time we were connecting and mm-hmm. I remember just like the workers there that were there. Um, they would always, they would give you like the head nod or the wink that was just like, keep doing it.
0: Keep it up, yeah.
1: (laughs) There's a lot of people watching you. And to me, that stood out at more tournaments than you realize. um, When we were there working behind the scenes and in the laundry or the housekeeping of these tournaments, you could always, you know, you could always get that look or that you make that eye contact with us. And it's always that head nod that's like, go get them. And yep. for me, it was like that unspoken word that, you know, we all just, you know, because sometimes they felt some type of way that we had like that bond. And it was just like, all right, this is what you got to do to beat her. <laughs> do. And, you know, you know, they did that to us too, but it was just like, you know, but for me, that was kind of the unspoken thing, that bond that we had as players, as black players uh, coming up. And it was just like, you know, we were, we were rooting for each other and it didn't matter that this was my doubles partner. And and if my doubles partner was white or another player and she was playing the black player and I was like, <laughs> 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 I was, was like, she's my partner, but girl, I'm like, ah, we're black. and I'm like, you
0: better <laughs> making the eye contact like girl I'm rooting for you <laughs>
1: come on now you, I'm still with you she might be my doubles partner but you better beat her you know it was still it was I always felt like you know that's, that's how it was you know we were we were always pulling for each other always pulling for each other to win the matches and things like that and I think that's, that's a
0: beautiful that. thing to hear to, to 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 think and like you know to think that players are kind of having that camaraderie but to know it from somebody that was actually there makes me feel mm-hmm. So much better about being a fan and realizing that we're kind of all in this together because we realize yeah. that the sport wasn't necessarily created for us to succeed. I'll, exactly. I'll put it like that. Yeah. yeah.
1: So for me, like I said, it was like you know, like a lot of Americans. You know, I even I've kind of evolved a little bit. I'm always cheering for the Americans, but when we get on there, I'm like, okay, here it is. Let's go. <laughs> when we get on there. It's just like,
0: were you excited for Tiago? <laughs> Were you excited for Tiafo at the Absolutely. U.S. Open?
1: Absolutely, I'm like, and you know, at the Open, at the Australian Open, I mean, I could, I didn't know that he had changed coaches, but when he had gotten, oh, yeah. yeah, with uh, Wayne Ferreira, Wayne
0: Ferreira, yeah, and you
1: can see again, that's the, that's about having the experienced coach who's pulling it together for you, and you can see, and I could, and I was like, I was looking at him play, I don't even remember what tournament it was, but I was like, man, he's he's not really making the errors that he normally does. And then they had, you know, then they had mentioned how he brought out a new, I'm like, okay, well, there it is. And, you know, to see that. And I think he's got a huge, huge, you know, um, future in front of him, as long as he stays injury free. But again, I think the fitter you are, the better shape that you are, the better uh, care that you take of yourself, then it all trickles down onto the court. It's like you play better you, you're in the matches on You have better results, and you make better decisions on the court because your mind is sharp. You're not tired. You're not making tired decisions, you know. Um, and he's he's putting it together, and he's young, and I think he's going to string it together, and he'll he's gonna he's gonna do some big things. I think.
0: That- I hope he does. That- he has the game.
1: Mm-hmm. What
0: do you think about Coco Golf?
1: I mean, Coco's amazing. Um, looking at her from the, that first big win that she had at Wimbledon a few years ago over Venus and seeing her put together. Uh, but I, I love her game. Um, I love the, you know, I'm, a, I'm all for the player that's coming to the net uh, because that, no one loves the player that's attacking, attacking, attacking. They want, a lot of the players still want to just sit on the baseline. But when she puts it all together, I mean, she's already shown she's never she's if she's not number one, she's been number one in doubles. So she's won mm-hmm. a ton of titles. So, I mean, she's got so much tennis ahead of her. You know, and I always put in the healthy thing, staying healthy and really um, having the right team behind her. I mean, she's going she's gonna to take home title after title after title. Slam, title, slam, slam, slams on slams.
0: Fingers crossed. You spoke it. Now it's in the universe. And now we just have to see it come to fruition.
1: I I mean, and then I I don't even even Taylor Townsend out there.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: I saw her play at the open. I'm like, she was like this close to the net. I'm like, like, I loved her game. And I'm like, and I'm rooting for her and everybody else out there. So, I mean, she was. Ooh, her game, her volleys were like that. I'm like, Man.
0: she's, she's crisp up at, up at net too. She gets one, two back-to-back doubles titles in, in Adelaide. Yeah.
1: yeah, That with Asia Muhammad. So, mm-hmm. and I remember Asia coming. out. I'm so happy to see her doing well. Cause you know, I remember her when she was young and she's 16, 17, 18 years old and to see her game come together too. I mean, I mean, I love the force, you know, you can't count us out. That's for sure. We're always going to be in the mix.
0: Yeah, I mean it's a it's a beautiful thing just to see the progression of somebody's game and everybody you just mentioned is on a steady good track. So that's that's we got the good things going in, in the US tennis right now, I think. So Absolutely. the last the last thing I want to ask you, um, as my show has a pillar of being surrounded by passionate conversation, and we've had a lot of passionate conversation in the last hour, I'm wondering what are some of your passions now that you're not on tour and playing tennis may have taken some of, of a backseat um, to other things that really interest you. So you have the floor to tell us what you're working on, what you're doing, what have you what you have been doing, all that fun stuff.
1: Oh, uh, well, uh, real estate, actually. Real estate right now, i worked with uh Mal. For uh, three years, I teach a little bit at a club here, just a local club, um, which, you know, it's okay. I mean, I enjoy it. I mean, the summer is hot, you know, it's just like, but you know, it's it's, it's, a, it's a club. And, um, and the tennis aspect of me teaching tennis, I love that. And I love when they really absorb it and, and take that. That's the part. But then the other part, when when I think that, which sometimes I have to switch off because I'm like, go, go, go. Let's improve. Let's do this. But I have to understand that your goals aren't like, because I'm just like, if we're going to get better, we need to get better. I need to see improvements or else, like, I'm not the one.
0: <laughs> but everybody is trying to go pro or yeah, what have exactly. you.
1: And or even play in college. Sometimes it's just a recreational sport. But I'm going to need you to have good form. <laughs>
0: <laughs> At the very minimum, like, look, look good.
1: <laughs> I'm going to need you to have. So we need to work on that service motion and the forehands and the ground strike So that's just my perfection side of it. And I need that to be good. But right now, actually, I'm in real estate school right now. I have my license. I have a real estate license in Florida where I practiced with my brother for about three years. And he's like heavily into flipping and uh, uh, redevelopment. He's winning all kinds of awards still. I don't understand how. I'm like he's been in the (laughs) place for so many years, and they still (laughs) love this guy. I'm like, man, Miles. (laughs) But now he's a great guy. Um, You know, he's doing a lot for his community. And I, and I'm hoping to you know carry on and do some some investing in real estate here. Uh, in Houston, because this—I love being in this city. I think it's a great city, and um, and I think it's just um, a good wealth builder to, to kind of continue on from tennis, because everybody, you know, is going to need a place to live and. You mm-hmm. know, you know, communities that can be revitalized through real estate and things like that. So that's definitely an interest for me. Um, and I, and I just love the customer service side of it, the aspect. And I just love, you know, as you can see talking, <laughs> <laughs> I love being a part of that. And, you know, and then of course, you know, tennis is always, that's, that's in my blood, that's running through and through. So, um, you know, wherever I can kind of pitch in here or there, where it doesn't require me to do too much, you know, I'm always, I can always jump on a podcast or a zoom to, talk about some old school stuff.
0: (laughs) Well, we we appreciate it here at Tune Into Tennis. I mean, next time I'm in Houston, I'll definitely have to give you a ring so I can work on my backhand and work on maybe that rally tolerance that we talked about. (laughs)
1: Shot tolerance, shot tolerance. You got to get to five. It's called shot tolerance. Then you can go for it after that.
0: Next time I'm at Piedmont Park and somebody challenges me to that, I'll be like, Mishona told me shot tolerance. So Miles, bend your knees and get down there and get that ball over the net.
1: (laughs) to play they're going to miss because they're going to be thinking they're going to go for too much and then you know you're you got to work smarter not harder
0: well this has been very fun i really appreciate you coming on to the show like i said I, I may have said at the top of the hour i've never interviewed somebody that's been like on the wta tour and has been willing to come on the show so i really really appreciate you taking out the time i know you have a busy schedule and i can't appreciate it enough so thank you
1: that's awesome thank you for like putting it together um, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I have a lot of time on my hands <laughs> now that I'm retired. <laughs> it, was it was super fun. I, I love like kind of, you know, reminiscing back on, cause it makes me think about like, I, you know, honestly, I still feel like I'm somewhat of a regular person. And uh, when I start thinking about like going through old trophies and old, results. And I'm like, wow, I really did that. Wow. And it's, it's almost like it's a whole lifetime ago. It really, it feels like it really was. And I'm, I'm I'm so blessed to have parents that were able to introduce us to a sport and, and the people and the knowledge and the growth that I've just gained over the years from that. It's just amazing. Like, I, I mean, I don't know if I, aside from a few wins that I could have taken back, but you know, Hey, made me the person that I am today.
0: You win some, you lose some. And I I think all of that you know, gel together, produce a very impactful life. I mean, you impacted me and I'm just a little, I'm little old kid, black boy from Louisiana. So, you know, Hey,
1: there we go. I, yeah. I
0: appreciate it all.
1: Uh, and I, I would say, if I can make one impactful statement or, or something that just, you know, clicks or sticks to the wall, then, then, Hey, I've done my job. So
0: that's what it's all about. Yeah.